We're in a series this morning on going deeper in Jesus, and this morning I want to share with you an abiding rest that God wants us to walk in and God wants us to be in. I introduced this verse to you about a month ago or three weeks ago, and it's from Psalm 91, verse 1, and it says this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And we began to look into that verse, and some versions say not only shelter, but he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. It's a hideout. It's a fort. When you were kids, you played in little forts and secret places when you'd hide. Some of you, as one of my daughters, would often at uh, certain stores hide within the clothing racks, and you couldn't find them, and you would panic desperately. But God knows where you're hiding, and God wants you to hide in Him. Right? And he says, if you will dwell in the secret place or the shadow or the shelter of the Most High, you will then abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And to be in someone's shadow means you're tucked up close to them. Well, these two words are very interesting words in Hebrew. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Dwelling means to sit. He who seats himself. He who moves in and is seated and rests, remaining, resting, dwelling in that shelter, it says he will abide, and that means to lodge or to live in. So you move from sitting there to then occupying a position. Amen? Amen? And so what God wants us to do is he wants us to move into seated, being seated in the right place and then occupy that position. How many of you know that God has seated us where? In heavenly places. And we're seated there. And uh, what's going to be glorious is we're going to occupy that place for eternity. And we will dwell there. But God wants you to sit in a place. How many of you have ever been in a place where you sat in the wrong seat? You looked at your ticket, you got the wrong row, you got the wrong seat. It's always nice when it's upgraded. (laughs) So I'm sorry, sir, you're back in section 4032. But God would have us to sit in these places and then abide there. I think of the story of Mary and Martha. How many of you remember that story? And Jesus is in the house of Mary and Martha. Lazarus, their brother, is there. And um, Jesus, as the house guest, Martha's doing the right thing. She's getting the food ready, preparing, and serving because she has a guest. But the right thing becomes the wrong thing once Jesus is what? Seated. If you'll look at that passage, when Jesus tells Martha, "Ah, you're wrong, Martha, because Martha's upset because Martha comes to Jesus and says, Mary's sitting here at your feet and I'm the only one cooking dinner and doing all of this stuff. And Jesus says this, when I came and sat, when I began to teach, Mary sat and listened. And so there's a time for us to work, but there's a time when you need to sit into the dwelling place of God when he is imparting unto you. It's so much more important for us to sit in his presence than work for his presence. Religion works for the presence of God, trying to stir it up, trying to drum it up. 
But Mary understood when Jesus was ready to impart, she sat in his presence. Do you understand the difference? Some of you labor to draw the presence of God when there is no need to labor. It's to come and rest and to sit in his presence. What you need to give up is your striving. What you need to give up is your performance. Martha was performing for Jesus. And what he wanted from her was her to sit in his presence and receive. This morning is an abiding presence of the Lord that you would all sit in his presence, stop from your work of trying to prove your righteousness and trying to get his approval. You've got it. Now sit in the presence of the Lord and abide there. And that's what this verse is saying. It's a secret place. It's a place that you know how to get there. The rest of the world doesn't know how to get there. And we need to get into that place and sit and practice the presence of God. We don't have to work for it. We can sit in that place when Jesus begins to speak. Now, what's important is that we find rest there. It becomes our abode. We abide in that place. We're seated, and it's right, and it's our rest. And that reminds me of the Sabbath that God has provided for us. Hebrews chapter 4 is all about the Sabbath rest of God. The book of Hebrews is written, guess for who? It's not hard. The Hebrews. Okay? Yeah. It's written for the Hebrew believers who are wondering if they should go back to temple worship, back to the law, back to the old things. And the writer of Hebrews begins to extol the virtues of Jesus, how Jesus is greater than the angels. He's superior to the angelic beings. He's more superior than Moses. He is more superior than the high priest. He's more superior than the lamb sacrifice and the sin offerings. He's more superior than anything else. And in fact, he goes out and he says this to the Jews, Jesus is in fact more superior than the Sabbath. Because all of those things pointed to him. And he's saying you're looking to keep the Sabbath, you're looking to practice the Sabbath, but you're not sitting in Sabbath. You getting this? And he's saying those who sit in the secret place of God will abide in his shadow. It's time for us to sit in the seated places that God has brought us to rest. So when we look at chapter 4 of Hebrews, he's, he goes through a litany of things that he says that they never found the rest. He, he begins in, in verse 4 and 5, and he says that God established Sabbath rest. He, he, on the seventh day, God rested from all of his labors and all of his works. Now, I find it fascinating when you read Genesis 1, it says on day one he did this, and it was the end of the first day. And then on day two, he did this, and it says, and it was evening and morning of the second day. And he did this on the third day, and it says, and it was the evening and the morning of the fourth day, and the fifth day, and the sixth day. And then in chapter two, he introduces the seventh day, and he says, and the Lord rested from all his days and sanctified it, but he doesn't say, and that was the morning and the evening of the seventh day. There's no conclusion to the Sabbath day. Now, I know there's seven days in the week, but I'm just speaking to you spiritually. 
There's no conclusion to that day. First day work is done, second day work is done, third day work is done, fourth day work is done, fifth day work is done, sixth day work is done, seventh day is the rest of God. And what's important to understand in Hebrew uh, knowledge and thinking is that when it says that God rested, he didn't sit in a lounge chair with an iced tea. The concept of resting is he sat upon the throne of creation, that he took up his authority as king and ruler over all things. His majesty and his position is now seated upon all the works of his hands. He is in session as ruler and king, but something happened. Man rebelled and broke the rest, the Sabbath rest of God. It was to be eternal. God came in the cool of the day to bring the anointing and the refreshing. It's the same ruach and wind that came on the day of Pentecost. On that seventh day of rest, he was coming to bring the rest and the majesty of God, but man had fallen. And never entered into that rest. And God's been wanting to bring that rest between God and man back again. So he sanctified it. He goes on in Hebrews chapter 8, verse, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 8, and talks about the Exodus, how he took all the believers of Israel out of Egypt, but they never entered the promised land. They never entered the rest of God because they were disobedient. Happened the same in the garden. Disobedience ruins the rest of God, the peace of God. He said, if they ever entered in the rest, Joshua never gave them rest. The entire generation was put to death. And then he goes on and he says, Joshua did get them into the promised land, but it's not the rest that they were supposed to have. It was a rest that they practiced and they tried to keep, but they failed to rest in God. They failed to believe. In order for you to rest in God, you must have faith to believe that you're in that seat of acceptance in God. But they never did, did they? In fact, throughout the whole history of Israel, that's why Israel busted up as Syria came in and destroyed the ten northern tribes and Judah was banished to Babylon because they failed to keep the Sabbaths. They never entered the rest of God. And David spoke prophetically and he said, today is the day of salvation. Do not harden your hearts. The thing that keeps you and I out of the rest of God is a hardened heart. It's disobedience. You and I, we strive. We strive for acceptance. We strive for repentance. Just like Israel could never find that rest. Adam and Eve had the rest right there, but they lost it. And all of this This resting is to speak of Jesus. He is what this rest was. If you'll remember in Genesis, it says in the cool of the day, the Word was walking in the garden. The Word is Jesus. The the Sabbath was coming to Adam and Eve. The Sabbath was coming to creation. The ruling of God as He would carry that mantle onto man and we would rest in Him. We left that position. 
Israel never found it. It was the covenant sign that these are my people. They rest in me. They don't have anything to worry about. I'm their God. They're my people. I will fight all their battles. I will produce all their crops if they would but trust me and rest in me. In the sixth year, I'll give them such bounty. For the seventh year, they can rest from everything. Those who sit in the shelter of God abide in his shadow of rest. So Hebrews 4, 9 through 11 says this. There remains then a rest, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. It's in that word right there. It's the only time in the New Testament that the, that the Greek word is literally the Hebrew Sabbath. And he says... There remains a Sabbath. There remains a rest for the people of God. And it's not to practice on Saturdays once a week. As David said, it's today. You see, the rest of God is outside of time. It's outside of a day. It's today. So how often is it today? As long as you're alive, it's always today. You know, I was thinking about this. We, we have the rest that we have in God, this abiding in the secret place of God, is now, always now, always today. We can't doubt, we can't disbelieve, we have to trust for today's rest. It's in Christ, in Christ alone. And I was thinking about it and I thought, well, does God go out by Eastern Standard Time or Pacific Time? No, I mean, really, we really think of God set to our timetables and our watches. God, you're not showing up on time. Are we so off? We're not resting and seated in the right place. Jesus said, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. That's my teaching. Take my teaching upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. and You'll find rest for your souls. So Hebrews says there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God and he's introducing to them the true Sabbath. It's Jesus. He's the secret place of the Most High. He's the one who has you seated on the throne with him and it's in him you abide in the shelter of God. Whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did. No more striving. No more working to please God. Let us therefore strive or work or be responsible to enter into that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So we've got to find a rest. You can be a Christian, you can believe God and not be in God's rest because you don't grasp the place of being seated in God. You know how many Christians are striving to please God? How many mindsets do we have here this morning where you're thinking you're, you're not making God happy? You've got to do something more to make God happy. You've got to do more. Listen, God's happiness doesn't depend on you or your performance. God's happy. God's satisfied. you know why? His Son died on the cross in full obedience, and he's elevated him above all others. That pleases the Father. And that love is perfect to you. You don't have to perform for it. You need to seat 
yourself on that cross with Christ and receive and be in the secret place of God. You don't have to strive for your labors. No, see, now we, we do works. Now we perform not for his favor, but because we have his favor. I'm pleased to go to work for God. I'm going to work for God, not to earn from God. Does that make sense? So we need to have a mind that's transformed. Because all of us have been conformed to the things of this world, and all of us are basing our lives on a work ethic with God. Jesus did the work. So we need our minds transformed. Isaiah 26 says, He will keep him in perfect shalom, perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. He must trust you. So how do you get your mind to be seated in your position in Christ? You've got to break the mold that we've been made in. We've been made in a Western mold. We've been made in a religious mold. And we've got to begin breaking it. Shalom is an ordered life. And Romans 12, 2 says, Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we've been shaped and conformed by this world. And God wants us to renew our mind. We need a renewed mind. Because you need to be seated in the things of God. We have too much anxiety. We have too much depression. We have too much worry. We have too much fretting. We have too much striving. we got to start operating out of the seated position that we are in, in the secret place of God, in the shelter of God. And it's not just a place I visit when I go to pray. I abide there. At all times, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. It should alter our prayer life radically. But see, I can't get my head around it. i got a performance-based mind. I've got a Martha mind when God wants me to have a merry heart. Ooh, I like that. We need to have a merry heart. Where we're tuned into the frequency of Jesus, he's talking at all times. And so a mind transforms. So what, what do we need to do? We need to renew our mind. And Peter says that we are to sanctify God as king of our hearts. We need to sanctify Jesus as Lord in our hearts. That means to set him apart as Lord. That means to sit with him. So how are we going to do this in a very practical way? I won't be long this morning. But if you want to go into the secret place of God, if you want to sit in that dwelling place and begin to abide in the shelter of God, so that no matter what you go through, you are seated in heavenly places with God and you have found rest. Oh man, Jesus wants his church to be at rest. And again, that rest means seated on the throne of authority. You can rest because all authority and power has been given unto me in heaven and earth, Jesus said. Now you go in that power. See, that's being seated in authority. Being seated in authority is understanding 91, Psalm 91.1. You're seated in the secret place. I'm, I'm in the shelter of God right now. I abide there. Troubles come my way, but it's all right. It's all right. I'm seated in a place far above this. So what are the three things we need to do? Number one is we need to walk. In order to renew your mind, you need to begin walking in the principles of the Word of God. 
if you're not walking in them, if you're only reading the Bible as a devotional book, if you're only reading the Bible to get some more information about God, then you're going to have a failed Christian life. We have got to walk in the ways of the Lord. Many of us treat the Bible as, as if it's, it, it's, it's like, you know, a Chinese fortune cookie. I, I wonder what good news it has for me today. What, what little good piece of tidbit I can have. We've got to walk in this thing, and I'm, I'm convinced that as believers, we are not walking in the Word of God. We are not abiding in that Word of God. Do you have a word from the Lord today? Are you walking in the truth of God's Word today? So no matter what situation comes to you, you have a remedy through the Word of God. I'm walking in this thing. Uh, it's in me. It's, uh, it owns me. The Word of God owns me. I'm walking in it all the time. Of course, we, 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 we get troubled, but the Word of God comes. So we walk in the counsel of the Word. It's the only way you're going to renew your mind if you believe the Word of God instead of your situation and circumstances. We're not believing this enough. And I've, I've found myself having to, uh, in my life, pull myself out of the deepest places of depression and despair. When I couldn't see a way out, I couldn't see a remedy out, but this Word said that there is one. And the only first rung that began to get me out of a pit of despair was that there is a God, therefore things can't stay the same. It's the only thing that got me out. And I began to walk in that truth. We have got to begin walking in the truth of God. But we're walking based on who's the president, who's the governor. We're walking by how much money's in your bank account. We're walking by how I feel today. I've got, a, I've got an ache here, and I've got a here, and I'm just a little, and I've got it. But my word says that I'm more than a conqueror, that I'm an overcomer in Jesus Christ. Oh, pastor, that's positive confession. The church has gone through that. We're mature now. Listen, we need to speak the word of God. We need to speak what the Word of God says and we need to walk in it, walk in it. I want you to know that this is more reality than the reality is that you're sitting in right now, than what you see with your eyes. What you see with your eyes is partial. It's partial. Even Paul says we look through a glass dimly. We're not seeing the whole thing. You've got to walk in the dictates of God to fill out what you can't see. Does that make sense to you? So the first thing to renew your mind, put this in your pipe and smoke it. I don't know where that comes from. But anyways, you need to begin to walk in the Word. Walk in the Word. So if you're troubled by something, get back in this Word of God. Live it. Walk it. And stay in the dictates. I know that tomorrow's going to be better because I'm walking in the counsel of God's Word. And this is what's going to move us forward. We're going to walk in the Word of God. Second, though, you can't just recite it. You just can't memorize it. You have to stand on it. Walking in it is your hope, but standing on it is your faith. I'm counting on this. I'm counting on this Word of God. And I'm going to stand on it. Having done all, I'm going to take action, and I'm going to give voice to it. That, to have a renewed mind, literally, we have all the science now that's proving the Bible to be true. Isn't that nice? Now you can believe the Bible through science. 
We should have been there a long time ago before they even figured all of this out. But they, they are doing measures of brain waves and the way your mind is wired, and they have come to the conclusion that you can actually rewire your brain. You can cause it to be renewed and rethink from the patterns that you grew up with that's actually something you can do. We knew that. We knew that a long time ago because Paul said so. And so now we've got psychologists, now we've got counselors saying, we need to rewire your mind. It's like, yeah, we, we already know that. But you, tr- you, you can do this, but in order for you to do it, you have to begin walking it and standing on it. And it will literally change the structure of your behavior pattern and your thinking pattern. We have failed thinking patterns because we're conformed to the image of this age. So if you want to abide in the shelter of the Most High, you have got to begin walking it out and you've got to seat yourself in these truths. And so we have got to sit ourselves on the Word of God, bank on it, stand on it, trust it. And that's what we come to last of all is sitting in trust. And you know how you sit on it? It becomes now the new normal. It becomes your testimony. Now I speak of what I know. Now I can tell you through experience that if you will trust the Word of God, you will have a better life. You trust in the way of the Lord. Acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways. He will make your path straight. And we've got testimony after testimony in this room right here. That once you began walking in the ways of the Lord, standing on your faith for these things, and being seated now in a life that has changed forever, I walk as a believer seated in heavenly places with Jesus. So that's what I'm sharing with you this morning. Church, we have got to change our minds. We have got to dwell. We've got to sit in the shelter of the Most High. He has provided that in Christ Jesus. Are you seated with Christ Jesus? Are you abiding now in Christ Jesus? Jesus said, the Father and I will make our abode in you. We're going to come live in you. We're we're coming in. Here we are. And so by His Spirit, we are seated with Christ. But church, we've gone back to the Martha, Martha patterns We've gone back to performance levels because we're just so ingrained in our culture to do that. And so we've got to go back to being seated in the shelter of the Most High and abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Rest in Him. Dwell in that place. So what we're going to do as a church is we're going to press in on this. And for the month of August, August is right around the corner, we're going to establish a prayer time again in the day for Christ's community church. Based on Psalm 91.1, that's 911. When you're in trouble, 911. So based on Psalm 91, verse 1, those who dwell in the secret place or the shelter of the Most High will dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. That's the verse. At 911, each day. That means two times in the day. 9-11 in the morning, 9-11 at night. We want you to meditate on that verse for the whole month of August. Okay? Sunday to Sunday. All right? 
And so set your timers, set your clocks, set your phones. You'll, you're going to get to know this verse. And what it's going to remind you is between 9-11 and 9-11, I have to walk, I have to stand, and I have to sit on the counsel of God's word. I'm going to walk in this word. I'm going to stand on its promises. And I'm going to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Because our goal is to rewire our thinking into kingdom thinking. A kingdom mindset. Where everybody here is hearing from Jesus regularly. You're listening to the voice of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is beginning to dictate to you, speak to you, talk to you of who you should talk to, what you should do, how you should walk in it. You're going to walk in it, stand on it, sit in that place. And you will find a confidence level and a trust and a faith rising in your life. This is an all-church exercise. We want all of you to do this because we believe God's going to move in this church. And we need a people who are seated in heavenly places because once you're seated now you can rule and reign with christ jesus amen Amen? let's bow our heads jesus we thank you today for the ministry of your holy spirit we thank you for what you're doing in our midst and what you're going to do with us as a people we pray lord god that you'll continue to minister to us And that we will find our Sabbath in you, Jesus. We'll find our rest and we'll sit there. And we will rule and reign with you. No longer being tossed to and fro in our thinking. No longer being cast aside, Lord. We will, God, see you and walk in you through your power and might. And we rejoice in that. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. If you're ready to.